Hey, welcome to another weekly episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks, where we talk everything design, business, and humor related. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Well, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. I am really excited to have our guest on this week. I'm talking with Michael. He has been all over the Twitterverse. <laughs> if you're in no code and in the Twitter uh, no code community, you know who I'm talking about. He's a product manager by day, but he just launched the Lean Side Project and he has Side Project Stack. He is one of the OGs, as we say, in no code. So I'm really excited to have him on, hear his story, and learn more about what we can from his journey. Thank you for joining me, Michael. Wow. Well, thank you for that intro. Um, I'm definitely going to record that and play it back every time I wake up, maybe. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That was great. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. And, you know, I'm I'm uh, just honored and flattered you're here to, to, to invite me to be here. And um, I hope that my story can help. And uh, I'm excited to talk about no code with you. Yes. I'm so excited that you're here because you have been really, really busy over the last few months. Yes. So I'm excited to yeah. talk with you about all of the things you've been building and what you've been doing. Sure. But before we get into that, why don't you introduce our listeners to yourself? How would you describe Michael? That, that's a great question. Um, so, um, you know, basically well, what I do today is, is as you said, I, I started Side Project Stack and that uh, kind of that moved into the Lean Side Project, which is um, something I'm currently doing now. But if I were to kind of go back in time a little bit of like, hey, how we got here. 2016, I launched a startup um, and it was an online marketplace and I had no idea what I was doing and did pretty much everything wrong. Um, I All I knew at the time was just, you know, startup knowledge and startup thinking. And you know, I read every TechCrunch article I could, but I, I walked up and I even, you know, got a Delaware C Corp and did the whole thing. And then after, shortly afterwards, I, um, you know, had to pretty much close it down because I didn't understand what it took to, to operate a business, to run it, to, to get a startup going. And, um, it, but it wasn't until probably a couple years later that I really get the lesson from that experience. And that's, um, I had no idea how to leverage, um, you know, my skills or my story as a solo maker. And then uh, kind of fast forward to where we are now, there's this thing called no code. And, and really that's, um, I, you know, a funny buzzword because, you know, four or five, I mean, really not creating applications without code has been around for a while, but, um, and for me, what's, what's been a kind of a game changer is just, um, understanding and think and leveraging how to be a solo maker, uh, while using no code to do that. And mm -hmm. I'm just inspired by so many folks who have different backgrounds and are creating things, um, uh, you know, creating web applications uh, who are doctors or who are teachers, who are, um, you know, in all these different professions. And so I think we're really on the on the cusp of uh, something great and just excited about sharing their stories. Yeah, wonderful. So you have been <laughs> building for a long time then, since 2016. I think that's amazing. I've had some other guests on who've been longtime builders as well, and there's so much knowledge to be gleaned from that. It's pretty phenomenal how you can take something that a lot of people outside their space would call a failure and just build upon it until you have, you know, more and more success. Um, so talk to us about some of those lessons that you learned and how that's transitioned over into now your lean side project. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing um, that comes to mind is a, there's a, a quote or a tweet from Justin Kahn, founder of Twitch. 
Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that uh, you know it was a startup. You know, it was acquired for almost a billion dollars by Amazon, and um, you know he's pretty legendary in the startup world. And one of the things he said that um, I think is so important, not just for people or folks who want to do startups, but also side projects, which is first-time founders focus on the product, and second-time founders focus on distribution. And is, so essentially to me, what that means is, you know, because distribution can mean a lot of things, but it's how do you get your product in front of people and then how do they actually like get it and use it? And when I was starting out in 2016, the only thing I knew how to do was was basically try to create it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think any of us, I think a lot of us know the, the notion of you're not supposed to build it uh, or, you know, the build, if you just build it and they will come uh, fallacy. <laughs> Uh, I don't think any of us really intend to do that, but because, you know, it is so easy to see how to build something, especially with no code, you just do what you know. And then because startup, you know, startup really are so glorified in our society today, which I get it, it you know, it's really sexy to talk about a billion dollar acquisition. Mm-hmm. So that's what sells. And all those tactics and strategies and tools that, that those founders use are what's really prevalent and what's known in the ecosystem. Um, and and so as I, you know, you know, started my, my product and my startup and I failed, I started to follow uh, Peter Levels and he really opened my eyes and who I consider kind of, you know, my, you know, OG to me. And even though he wasn't using no code, just using a really basic, simple stack of technology. And he was leveraging um, his story. He was leveraging being a solo maker he, and he was building the open. Uh, before it became a thing. And, and it just really opened my eyes to see it from a whole nother way. And I realized that, wow, I've got this really powerful thing, which is my story that nobody can compete with. And um, I can just solve my own problem. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to be looking for this massive, you know, trillion dollar market that has this huge gap in opportunity. And I have to think about, you know, doing all my uh, analysis on how I'm going to be different. And realizing that competition, you know, can be okay. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but, um, you know, or, or, you know, what this really was because it was all just kind of happening. And when I was, I was talking with uh, another maker, uh, who's, you know, a lot of people know in the space, KP, mm-hmm. he, he said it this way, he said, uh, um, you know, basically uh, when you're creating a side project, you're starting a campsite and founders build, you know, a foundation of a building. And um, kind of really what that's morphed into is, I really think that instead of us trying to start a startup, we should start a side project and mm-hmm. learning under, to understand, hey, what are the basic principles of, of giving value and in, uh, in creating value and capturing value? And then just um, and so from there, I, I decided um, just going to create something to help people uh, in the space. And one thing I noticed is that everybody would post on Twitter what their projects were made of, but nobody was documenting it. And so then that's how Side Project Stack was born. I literally was just like capturing all those things yeah. that I saw, that behavior that was happening. And then I just um, put it on one web page. <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and then, and then kind of went from there and, and I created a tool to, to make it really easy for people to figure out um, how to get started. Yeah, I think it's pretty phenomenal. I've used it myself. I can't recommend it enough to folks, if, especially if you're new to the space. There are so many no-code tools. It's overwhelming. Even if you're not new to the space, it's overwhelming, right? Like there seems to be a new one every week, which is amazing and I love it. But yeah, this side project stack is great because you literally made it foolproof, right? You just type in what you want to do and you get this beautiful list of here, go use this to build it. It's amazing. What? 
That's really nice. I really appreciate that. And that's kind of my baby. Um, and it's built with, it's all built with no code tools and it's automated. And what it does is it's based off of real maker projects. So the folks who have built these successful projects, what are they using? Well, if you're new to the space, you have no idea. Like you don't know everybody in the space and what they've made and what, mm -hmm. and so how do you decide what to use? And if you just go to all these tools, websites, they're, well, they're, they're marketing sales pages. They're just going to tell you what you want to hear. So I, I, I wanted to cut through the BS and say, Hey, uh, you know, in a survey format, I'll ask basically three things, you know, what's your skill level, what's your idea and what's the complexity that you're trying to do. And then you get an automated response through email that says, Hey, here's the tools that you should start with. Um, and it ended up being a number one product uh, of the day on product hunt. And so I was really, really thankful for that. And that was really, that happened actually in August of 2019. So that was really when I said, okay, well, I think I have something here. Um, yeah. and, and just kind of started building from there. Yeah, that's awesome. So August of 2019, so it's been a little over a year. So talk us about the transition, how you took that. And now you've just launched the Lean Side Project. So what did that kind of scope look like in between there? Yeah, great question. And, and so what? So two things that say is, um, one is what side project stack allowed me to do was really understand uh, who was trying to make stuff with no code and what were the problems they had. You know, yeah. the hard part about making is um, you can create something for yourself and you can do that. But if you aspire to hopefully solve other people's problems, you really need to understand where they're coming from. And so I just started talking to makers and seeing like what were the things that they were struggling with. And at the same time, what was really interesting and that I was noticing is I was also talking to makers who were successfully shipping things. So I was kind of like in this really neat intersection between makers who were shipping and makers who were stuck. And so I just started compiling, you know, and talking to both sides and trying to connect the dots the best that I could. Yeah. And that's when I started to think um, that I needed to create something that helped give somebody like a roadmap or like a process for, hey, mm -hmm. how do you leverage how do you, um, all the folks, what are all the attributes of folks who are launching projects that, that are being successful, that are number one on product hunt, that are, you know, turn into revenue earning projects in small businesses? And like, what, is, what are they doing? And if I could, if I was new to no code, um, how would it be best for me to understand that, you know? And mm -hmm. so that's where the kind of lean side project was born. And um, so my take on it and is really, um, you know, we had this movement of a lean startup. And everyone, I think, is familiar with Eric Ray's book, you know, The Lean Startup, and it's mm -hmm. a phenomenal book. And I've, I've, I've read it and learned a lot from it when I started my tech career. But I, I believe because of no code is really this catalyst where anybody can be a maker. I've talked to so many, make, you know, the makers that are doctors or in, in uh, their recruiters or their teachers or um, their house survey folks, and um, they're making stuff. So how do, you, how do you help these folks get the tools to create a technology product? because essentially that's what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, through that, um, I discovered that you, you need to, it is overwhelming, like you said, you need to kind of lay it out in a, in a process. So it's step-by-step step to help them increase the odds of success. And, and I don't, I'm be very careful not to guarantee anything because, you know, you're making something and, and um, you know, saying from so somebody I respect in the product industry is, you know, being a product manager or making, you know, essentially that's what you are when you're making something. It's 50% art, 50% science. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping to bring kind of the science and the data behind it and then um, hopefully change. Uh, that's what happened to me. You know, when I launched my startup, even 
even though it failed, it launched my tech career and it, it's, it's brought me to here. And so um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I'll be able to do the same for other folks. Yeah, I think that's amazing what you just touched on there. Um, because <laughs> you can't guarantee, right? You've set out a playbook, but it's really up to the person to follow through on the plays. <laughs> like, right. You know, putting somebody on the field and be like, okay, well, run and get the ball. I mean, they're not going to do it unless they don't want to. So I think that's really amazing. I know you're very um, open and build in public, which I love. And so I've seen some of these comments in the last few days. You've been asking for feedback. And I've seen a couple that were like, hey, where's the guarantee? And it's like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. there is no guarantee. Life right. is not a guarantee. Yeah. Right. So I love that yeah. you kind of touched upon that. No, thank you for that feedback. And I'm going to start really ramping up now that I'm just I'm still uncovering and coming from out under the the pre-order launch. So I'm going to really start ramping up building in the open and um and it's tough. Yes, yeah, some a couple I had a couple of people on Twitter come after me and you know a couple of things didn't meet their expectations. But w that's what the book's about. Actually, is like in 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 my experience. Because I've launched several projects and startups, it is so much more detrimental if you wait till you get everything perfect and launch. And you know, I I talk to dozens of makers of, and and I am a maker, and I know what the problem is. But that doesn't matter until you get validation and until you get someone to actually give you money for something. Mm -hmm. You really don't know. And so, in order to avoid the risk of overbuilding, and that's a, that's one of the big things I, I I hit on is so many folks overbuild because. They think that, you know, you have this idea and then you just go and you build it. And what happens is it's kind of like a house project. It always takes twice as long and twice as much money as you think to build it. Yeah. And you spent all this time on it and you've got all this biased, e emotional and, and, and time investment into that project. So you become personally attached to it. And so then what happens is you don't deviate from that and you create something that people don't want or need. And then, um, and then what ends up happening is you become demoralized and just really sad because it doesn't take off like you like you thought it would and that's that happens way more than creating a project that's not pixel perfect and somebody complaining about it you know i think mm -hmm. another example that might be helpful to folks is if anybody remembers when product hunt launched their app it was pretty bad and 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 ryan uh got ripped ripped for it but he mm -hmm. was adamant of saying well this is the point and you know i respect ryan a lot he's he's helped co-write co uh the book hooked He's obviously started Product Hunt, which is incredible. He's a, he's a phenomenal story and, and how he built Iterably, which is when he started Product Hunt, it was a newsletter. And it was it was just strictly, hey, here's some new products. And and what he was do doing was building his audience and he was building his product in the simplest way first. And no code actually makes things worse now because now you can make an app without having to write you know, code. And so it's just, you can get in trouble real fast. And, um, you know, that's the lesson that I'm, that I'm trying in, you know, I'm trying to use these situations, uh, to show like, that's okay, but it's, it's so hard, um, to release something into the wild that, because it's a reflection of you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when I talk to makers, the best way to get over that is to ship stuff. And, um, it, it's really hard, but there is a way that I teach, there are some methods that teach in the book where, you can launch iteratively um, without having to really uh, feel like you're putting something out that's super unfinished. You know, mm -hmm. how do you how do you get validation without building too much, but also with you know not putting it out there where you feel like you might get beat up a little bit because that's all of our that's our fear, and right. you've got to overcome that fear, and that's part of um, if you can overcome that fear, and, and and I'm hoping to share the stories and show how you can do that. That will 
there's nothing that will replace the feeling of confidence knowing that you're building it right. And when you get that validation and, um, and you continue to build on it, it's, um, it's amazing because like compound interest, it just grows and builds and, mm-hmm. and it, and it, you build something that, that adds value to people's lives. It's I, everyone, I, I just really wish and hope that everyone can feel that because it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you touched upon that. <laughs> a lot of my guests have, but everybody in the no code space pretty much shares, I think, the common theme of you have to get in front of people. You have right. to actually talk about it. You have to share what you're doing because if you don't, you're in a vacuum and you're never going to know. <laughs> and exactly. then you will, may not have monetary sunk costs, but you're going to have so much time and effort. Exactly. And like you said, you're going to be so invested and attached. If it's a complete flop, <laughs> Well, <laughs> you're going to feel terrible because you didn't share it months ago when, you know, maybe people could have given you feedback to help change directions. So I think that's really important and just can't be overstated enough. Yeah. Yeah. You, awesome. you hit the nail on the head and, and it's hard lesson to learn, though, Sarah, you know, yeah. and um, it's something that, that that I've had to learn, like when I launched my startup. And um, but what's great about it is there are things you can do to. Um, minimize, you know, putting it out there in the right way, but also um, like one of the books I have is about launching and uh, in it, I detail, um, I haven't finished this chapter, uh, but there's like seven to 10 different types of launches you can do. The launch that I did last Friday was a pre-order page mm-hmm. and the product isn't done. I don't have everything out there, but you know, it, for me, it, it performed much better than I anticipated. I don't have a massive a massive audience, but I have just enough of an audience where mm-hmm. I felt like it was comfortable to, uh, the time was right to get it out there and grow. But what you can do is kind of flip these things on their, on, on their head. You know, if you're feeling mm-hmm. anxious about your product or you're not sure, or you don't have a big audience, how can you share it and, and uh, get any type of response? Cause you might not have an audience. And so what we can do is we can share this in small iterative ways with a small community of maybe just five people and then that mm-hmm. five people comes 15 people and um, there's things that you can do so you can get the right feedback and continue to build off of that. Um, but then also one of the things that I teach is sharing uh, what you're learning. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all struggle with this imposter syndrome. I struggle with it. I know everybody does. And the best way that I've experienced to overcome that is don't act like you're trying to be an expert. Just, just act like you're trying to share information that you're learning. Yes. Because if, if you take that approach, then nobody's going to come at you in uh, in a negative way, and everyone's going to be like, "Wow, this is helpful." You know, thank you for sharing. And mm-hmm. then what will happen is, is when you do also ask for help, then people become invested in your product because they've given a little bit of time, even though it's like maybe two minutes of mental thought energy um, to help answer a tweet. You know, that's still an investment on their part, and what ends up happening is your success becomes their success. And, and that's a huge thing that, uh, I don't think we leverage enough. Um, and, um, I, I think that is something that, uh, is understated, um, you know, when you're out, when you're out there making, um, and trying to share it, um, when you may not feel comfortable. Yeah, I agree. Talk about community. How, how did you find the no code community? I know they've been super impactful to you, but how did you kind of manage to <laughs> build the community space into what it is for you today? That's a great question. Um, you know, when I was, I was, it's surprising actually. And it's, it's weird to see things happen before your eyes. And like, you know, I, I, so I, I guess a, a good way to kind of 
picture the start of this is I, when I launched in in 2019 in August. Um, side project stack was was both for code and no code. So I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, mm -hmm. And so the reason why is because I was so unconfident of the space. There wasn't that many people doing, you know, talking about it that I didn't think it was going to fly by itself. And so mm -hmm. what I did was, is I, I said, well, um, there's only a few people talking about no code. I, it was like Ben Tossel and there was mm -hmm. uh, like KP and, and Sherith and, and like two other people. And that was it. Yeah. And, um, and Bram, uh, uh, Bram is, is mm -hmm. one of the OGs. And Tara Reed is, was been an OG, but she was never active in the community. She's just now starting to realize, wow, like this community took off. And so when I first launched it, um, it was, I, I had project side projects that were made with code and then with, with no code. And then what I, what I found that was interesting is all the folks who the projects I listed with code, like all the developers, um, I didn't get a lot of engagement, but then I just, there's this segment of people that really cared about no code. And so I had an interest for it. And so I had this general curiosity and I just started sharing like, Hey, here's a project here. Here's here, how it was made. Here are three things I learned. And, um, once I started putting that out there, um, people started kind of gravitating it. And, um, I had several people say, you know, you know, you're, um, you know, kind of known for, you know, the, the side project stacks. And uh, in that part of the space and through it, um, all I've tried to do is um, answer people. I answered every single person's question um, I, that I could uh, that's that's asked me. I've uh, searched the Twitter handle or not the Twitter handle, but the hashtag no code. Yep. Uh, we got to cherish it right now. And I sound corny, but like when it starts exploding, gets gets bigger. It's not going to be like this because the, the amount of folks that help each other that uh, communicate and, and share. Um, it's, it's amazing. And, yeah. um, what's happened, um, over and especially since the pandemic has started is, um, somebody tweeted this out. The number of times that somebody had, um, you know, tweeted about no code has just skyrocketed in the past year. And so it, I, I, I can't explain that, but it's just, it just seems like it's just kind of compounding and growing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just keep on trying to, you know, help by helping others first and, um, and then when I've got a project, you know, it's really neat to see people interested in it. Yeah, I think that's that's so important that you touched on. It's a, a give first. A lot of people miss that when they're trying to build or invest in their community. They're asking a lot and they're not giving right. anything. And I think that's one thing that I've seen in no code is that people are so generous with their time and their effort. And as you said, even if it's just two minutes, it's still two minutes. You know, we're all willing to jump in and be like, hey, I know if I post something and put the hashtag no code, somebody, at least <laughs> one person is going to jump in and give me yeah. an answer. And more often than not, it's 10 people right. and you have a wealth of knowledge. So, you know, you know, OK, great. I'm going to do the same thing. I do the same search answer questions that I can um, a lot of times in Webflow because that's my my tool that I know the best. Yeah. But starting to learn some of the other ones. Yeah, I just think awesome. it's phenomenal. I think it's interesting what you touched on too, that the pandemic has really exploded no code. I noticed that as well, but yeah. I haven't been in the space as long. So what do you think happened here with the pandemic and the no code community? That's, that's a great question. I don't know uh, what's, um, and I know what a lot of people are working from home now, and I know a lot of people are working remotely. And uh, for me, that's I've gotten an hour and a half back in my life that I didn't have before because I traveled to drive to work. And um, so I, I think that has something to do with it. Um, I think also, too, like people may be financially hit. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think we've all, uh, you know, had maybe some type of financial impact because, you know, um, 
you know, a lot of companies were affected and are still affected. And so I, I just wonder, is there, is there a much bigger appetite for um, people who want to make something? Uh, just try to start a side business to get a little bit extra income. So I think it's kind of a combination. You know, it's not just one thing, which is, kind of, you know, can make sense to me. It's not just one thing. It's a multitude of things. And, yeah. Um, oh, it'll be interesting. You know, does does it continue to build and does it have enough critical mass to continue to build? So I, I feel like it is. I mean, like we're just we're seeing like Wired and TechCrunch and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of folks are, um, you know, writing, starting to write about it. But I, I still don't think that. A lot of folks understand how main, that you know it's not mainstream yet. I you know I don't think people realize that you know I had a like on a side project stack, so I do almost daily stack reviews, and I've been slacking a little bit because of the lean side project. But I've got you know a doc, you know I've talked to a doctor and all, and, and I've talked to a surveyor and a tax accountant and um, a photographer, and like to me that just blows me away. Like yeah. that these folks are creating software. Um, and so I, th- I don't think we're there yet. I think that, um, as far as the ease of bit, ease of use, um, mm-hmm. it, I think it's not far away though, where we will see web app, which your ability to create a web app is as easy as it is to create a website. Yeah. You know, it, it's still a lot, I think it's still too technical and, uh, but I, I think that's coming around the corner. Yeah, I agree. And I think what, I'm anticipating for kind of the next phase once we're out of the pandemic is the boom that we saw in like 2008, 2009, right? After the recession ended and we had this huge boom of amazing startups. And I feel like that is what's coming, that these tools are going to fuel startups and get their MVP iterated a lot faster. And we're going to see this next wave over the next 10 years of these amazing companies transform out of kind of the no code community. Sometimes I think, um, they're not always as scalable as we think they would be without any right. development. <laughs> right. But some of them right. are. And I, mean. and I, but I think though you touch on a really good point. I, so I, um, I wrote a blog post about this. Um, I went back and I researched, um, and, and looked back at, um, Pinterest. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of it. Um, and Ben Silverman, uh, was what I think is so super relevant to folks today, which is he didn't have the technical ability to create something and he couldn't and his co-founder didn't have really good technical ability either. So they barely got scrapped together a, a basic MVP that barely worked. And it just kind of like showed what the idea was. And so when they would talk to investors, they were like, so what? Like they didn't get it. And um, what he said was that was that I'll never forget is that you have to sort of hack the system to try to get funding because if you can't create it, then basically you're just, hoping that somebody believes in you because you have no proof. And so I, what I wrote a story about is like, what if Ben had no code? Um, right. Because he, he would then be able to create it and then he would be able to get it in front of users and have them actually use it. And um, then he would have proof and this valid- validation that he was onto something. Mm-hmm. And then he would be able to go to an investor and say, hey, look at this. Look at these metrics. These people are like sucked into this thing, you know, three hours a day. And, you know, and, and absolutely love my product. What, how might that affect his investment, um, you know, equity stakes and, right. and how might that change? And so obviously, you know, it's, it's nobody's going to create another Pinterest because Pinterest is, is here and they've won, they've won that space. But I think that's what's so interesting for startups. If, if you're looking to go that way is, um, how much more leverage could you have if you don't need development because you can, oh, yeah. 
you can create a product that may not be uh, need to have a billion users on it, but do you really need that at the beginning? You know, you right. you just need you know thousands of users and validation, and you can get revenue. And there's a startup called Coins Q O I N S, and they were built off a of bubble, and that's what they started. And mm -hmm. so I think you're going to start seeing like a lot more of that type of thing. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what people create. Um, there's a there's a, there's a stat that um, a, a friend of mine in the no-code space, Max Haining, said. He got this from from Vlad, uh, the CEO of Webflow, mm -hmm. um, your uh, your bread and butter at, uh, tool. Yep. Um, and Vlad <laughs> talked about um, you know gave out a really interesting stat that only 0.3% of the world can read or write and write code. So think about that, like 0.3%. And so that's that's nothing, right? So. Um, and my friend Max kind of flipped that on his head and, and basically what that equates to is like one in 400, like what if one in 400 people only knew how to read and write, like we're literate, like we'd wow. be back in the stone ages. Yeah. And so what's going to happen when a significantly larger number of people, more than one in 400 can read and write software essentially, because they can do it through no code. What are the things people are going to create? And you know, what are all the new perspectives that in life experiences and, mm -hmm. and point of views that people have in different professions? Um, what are they going to be able to create to solve their problem? You know, I had I talked with Andrew Vernon. He's a photographer. Um, and I absolutely love his story because he is a photographer and he had a problem, which was um, when he, you know, takes a family photo or photo for his clients, um, he has to give out like a passcode to them. And it's, right. it's a real pain because then they access it digitally to see the photos. And so what he did is he created a way where that's all automated and he created a service that handles that um, so that he doesn't have to go through the back and forth of you know, keeping it secure and in and, and, and solving that problem for his yeah. clientele. And what he's done is he's flipped that into a SaaS where he sells it for $100 subscription a month, or not a month, but a year. And because he's a photographer, He's not selling to other photographers. He's helping other photographers. He's one of them. Right. So that's going to be, in my opinion, game changing when you're in, you're an insider and you're mm -hmm. an expert and you know what the pain problems are and you can create your own solution. That's, I mean, that just is, that's what gets me excited to think about, you know, the potential for all the folks out there. Yeah, same. I, I mean, that the list is endless of the things that are going to happen. And I'm, I think the same way you do these kind of small micro businesses, not maybe right. the next booming Airbnb right. or Pinterest, but exactly. yeah, these little community startups that are, you know, niche groups and you have created this amazing tool that serves a, a better purpose for them. Yeah. I think it's, there's a lot of potential there. It's very exciting to me for sure. No, awesome. I think you nailed it. I put you nailed it on the head. It's, it's that it's creating those niche niches new. And I think that's going to be, yeah. that's going to explode. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And I think the more you can lean into that community now and start building those relationships. It, I mean, look at what all you've done. You've built a whole, <laughs> you know, side project stack by leaning into the no code community and saying, hey, here's how you can enter this market and build this thing simply by listening. Right. You're watching what people right. are doing and putting it together for them. And I feel like if you aren't sure what the next step is, just lean into a community that you're passionate about and help them by showing them what their common errors are and compiling yeah. that. Sarah, no, you hit the nail on the head. And all I did like to start side project sec was I just watched what people's behavior was yeah. in no code. And I had a general curiosity because I wanted, because I, I created something 
uh, a startup. And so I was really interested in the space of technology, but it could apply this to any niche, any industry, whatever your hobby is, whatever your interest is. And that's what I would encourage you to do because it's going to take you longer than you think to figure things out. So if you don't have a general curiosity, you're probably not going to get too far. You have to generally kind of like, you know, is this something you think about? Is it something you're excited about? Um, and then observe, what are people doing? And I just observed people would say, hey, I made this thing with, you know, I made it with uh, Webflow, Airtable, um, Zap, you know, Zapier, and MemberStack. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Twitter, in the Twitter world we live in, it's here one second and gone the next. And yep. it's been gone forever. And the Twitter, you know, nobody scrolls past, you know, a day or two anymore. And so um, <laughs> I was just like, you know, you know, people would ask too, like, hey, what'd you, how'd you make this? What did you use to make it? So I just observed that. And I said, well, nobody's documenting it. I'll just start doing that. And then I started, you know, and that's my starting point is, is right. I didn't like do this crazy market analysis of like, um, you know, this industry has a massive market gap mm-hmm. and put together, you know, quarters, you know, five C's and or whatever it's in like, it, right. you just observe human behavior and where your curiosity is, and then you try to help the community. And I just yeah. would out, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I find interesting. I mean, Ryan Hoover, like, when when he started, he just was sending by email. He's like, "Hey, uh, if you if you're interested in hearing what new tech products have launched, um, I'll send you an email weekly, you know what they are." And like, "Wow, you're doing me a favor. Thanks." And yeah. and so then and then what happens is when you do that free service for people, they're going to reciprocate mm-hmm. um, because you're you're helping them and and it's it's something that's interesting uh, to them and and then you just build from there and then now you've got a captive audience where now you can really dig in and. Mm-hmm. You can get somebody's time. You'll feel comfortable to say because you'll establish these relationships with people. Like, hey, can I can I ask you just five minutes? Like, what do you think about this? Or like, can you tell me a little about that? And then you'll feel comfortable to kind of build from there and, and actually make a product. Um, yeah. And then you'll make it right because you'll know you'll get some validation along the way. Yes, absolutely, totally agree with that. So talk to me a little bit about how it is to build these products while you have a day job. Great How's question. That going? <laughs> yeah, it is super tough. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not going to, I hate maker porn. I hate, um, I built this in a weekend and I made $10,000. Like that's complete BS. And if you really talk, talk to these people, they've been working on it for two months and they're doing that for marketing and sales approach. I get it. But I think it does a disservice. And I think it does more harm than good. And quite honestly, if you're doing those type of marketing tactics, um, you haven't you haven't built your audience slow you know the right way and the reason why people do, don't do it is because it takes effort and a, l- a little bit of time to build it that way but you what will happen is is these people will stick around if you build an audience through not the hey I made this in a weekend and I made ten thousand dollars but you generally genuinely help people and so for me uh, and one of the you know what I've learned and what I put in the book that's so critical that I'm really excited to tell people about is this concept um, called segmentize your product and i don't even know that's a real word word but to me <laughs> it makes it. sense in my brain it just makes <laughs> sense for me and i'm really interested to see like your reaction and also other people like i am judging your reaction because uh do people understand what you know what's in my brain and what's helped me and what i've also observed because i've talked to all these makers yeah and i'll give you an example um felix wong is creating he's in this kind of in this space in his niche with venture uh capitalists and also you know, early startups and what he's doing in, in the, this, his story is, is a really good way to illustrate this concept is 
he isn't just building like one product. He's building he's building like several small products on the way to solving one issue within his niche, one problem. And so what ha happens is then you're basically stacking a deck in your favor. Instead of trying to hit one grand slam home run, he's just hitting a bunch of singles. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is over time, those singles add up and you've got runs. Right. And um, not every product has to be a hit, kind of like the 12 startups and 12 months approach. Mm -hmm. But with him, he did it full time. So he had the time to be able to do all those things. But as, a, as, a, as someone who has a day job, you, you don't have that time. Right. You, don't, you can't just quit your job. And you're not just making every day. You only have a few hours a day if you're lucky, if you have enough energy. And then every night you might be, you're not going to be able to do it at night because you'd be exhausted. Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do you set yourself up for success? And if you pick one thing, one, one area that you're super curious about, that you're super interested about, that you super love, and you notice one, and observe one problem, then you just start start hitting singles towards that which are small mm -hmm. products and you segmentize your your product by like hey i might have this big idea that i want to do but how can i break it down into small chunks and i i um i'm gonna i don't know if you ever heard the saying like how do you eat an elephant uh, <laughs> yes. bite at a time yeah so it's funny is because i'm on a, a weekly stand-up with some folks across the pond in england and i said that and they had like they they had, they had no idea what i was talking about <laughs> so that was funny it was like yeah this, stupid Americans we have this saying and they're like what are you talking about and I'm like let me explain it so basically it's like you want to achieve this goal but you've got to in what I teach in the book is like uh principally what's your value you're trying to create and what's the value you're trying to capture and then what are all the things that you need to do to to create that big idea because nine times out of ten your idea of what that is is going to take like six months to make Oh, and yeah. you can't, you, you cannot wait that much time. You don't have that much energy. You'll get burned out. And if you don't know how to make and launch and, and, and get validation interview, you're going to make it wrong. Right. So, and then you're going to spend six months on a nothing burger and you're going to be deflated mm -hmm. and you're going to be sad and you're going to be depressed. I've done that. I felt that I know what that's like. And so I don't want people to feel that. And so the way that you give yourself, increase your odds of success, this isn't a guarantee, but the way you increase your odds of success is you, you chunk out all the different little products that may contribute towards that end goal that may contribute towards that problem that mm -hmm. may contribute towards that so you know what you think the solution is and you you say okay um there's once you kind of break it down there may be 10 things and that is great news because they each can be their own little pro products and then eventually you'll learn and understand how they might all come together or some of them might just be side projects that just make a little bit of noise and you, and you gain some following they all don't have to be the solution, but through the sum of them, you know, sum is greater than the parts, they add up to solving for the problem. And then you'll have enough inertia then to then to tip you over into something that's that's much bigger that that solves the solution. And that's kind of like my story with the Lean Side Project. The Lean Side Project is like really what I wanted to do. But 18 months ago I started, you know, with you know, this side project stack. Yeah. And if you're if you're okay with playing the long game and just chipping in a little bit at a time, you can do it. And but you've got to learn to understand how to set yourself up for success because mm -hmm. um, I see so many times, you know, and you know, makers that I've talked to where, you know, they make something and then it, and it falls flat and they're like, oh, you know, and they feel deflated. But actually, if they had set themselves up the right way, they they could have pushed through and they could have they could have broke through. Yeah. I, I, that's great. It's great advice. And I think too, the one thing I would say to makers who are bummed if something fell short of their expectations is that's okay. You know, 
please feel all the feels. That's important not to hold all that in. It's good to have disappointment, but take that and, you know, use it to propel you forward because you have learned so much and whatever it is you build, it's just going to push you. As you said, you have that inertia built. So take all the time you need, but keep going, keep going and look at the small wins within that project and what you can push forward into the next thing. I think that's amazing. This book sounds amazing. Oh, thanks. But um, I think you 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 touched on something that's so important that I want to underscore a little bit more, which is the small wins. Like that is so key because it's such a good way to put it. Because um, if you break your your product out into smaller chunks, you then essentially created these mini products that may take two to four weeks to create. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is then you're not investing six months. So two to four weeks, you try, try something, it doesn't work out. You don't feel so bad. You're not emotionally attached to it. And then you start to objectively look at the problem and, and instead of pridefully trying to be this, this, you know, startup Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey genius, you know, that we, we aspire to be because we have that all in ourselves. We're very prideful in what we make. That's what we do. We, we do what we do because we, we love to make, we love to create. And you've made it for yourself and you've right. done something for yourself to make your life a little bit easier or you've gained knowledge or at the very least, what's going to happen is you're going to start building an audience. Which if you can, you know, um, there was somebody on Twitter yesterday and I forget his last name. I think it's Eisenberg. Um, and he's in the kind of the, the VC world. So I, I try not to pay attention to too much of those guys anymore, but he's got some really good advice. And he talked about like, if you can build a community and you know, you'll never not have a job essentially. And I just probably butchered his tweet, but like the thing is, is like if, the, the key is not to build a product. The key is to build an audience. And yeah. so and so that's the thing is if you can realize that, then you've already won. Then it's still a success. You, your product doesn't even, that's a beautiful thing. Your product doesn't even have to, you know, be success. It's just the, the act and the process that you go through. And then you're essentially just, just increasing the odds of your next project being a hit and being something that adds value because now you're building this audience and you're, you're building in the public in the right way. And so that way, um, and that's so important because it's going to take longer than you think. It's going to be mm-hmm. harder than you think. And I'm not here to tell you that it's going to be easy, but I'm I'm here to tell you that if you set yourself up the right way, that you can be successful and that you will figure it out. Um, and it's it's the the most incredible thing that I've experienced. And it can and I I hate that hyperbole, but it can change your life, you know. And um, so I'm I'm really excited for you know folks to to hopefully we're on this cusp of of uh, this niche maker, you know, movement with no code or, or whatever. Yeah, I, that's great. Such amazing advice. I think people really should tune into. And I think you touched upon something that Mubs, uh, we had him on a few weeks ago. He touched upon the same thing, like build for yourself. Like he just makes things because he thinks they're useful. And some of them have been great success and some of them nobody has really paid attention to, but he did it because it was fun for him. So I think that is the point as well, especially if you're going to go all in and you really do want to have a startup, you got to be passionate about it and love it and love the community around it. Because if you don't, it's not going to work out well. <laughs> you're going to be no, really yeah. burnt out fast. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I can't believe we had Mubs on. I'm on the same podcast as Mubs. And I know I know I've made it now. Um, but in all seriousness um no you're absolutely right because that's the thing is like you know um if you don't have that i don't think that i don't think that i would have pushed through um because at the beginning it's it's kind of um it's depressing you're making you're doing stuff and usually in order to make something you got to spend time by yourself and it's going to be lonely 
and you're going to push it out there and then nobody's going to care. Um, but if you've at least tried to engage people at the beginning, then you at least to get five people to care. And then you can build off of that. But still, like, you're going to, there's going to be this disproportionate feeling inside of you that's like, I just spent all this time. I think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because I created something, which it is, but not everyone's going to care as much as you. And so, um, at least at the beginning. And then it's only till now that I'm really like, like, I tweet something and people respond. Like, that, that did, up in, a year ago, that did not happen. Like, yeah. I'm still blown away. I'm like, people actually care about my tweet and they actually respond and it takes time to build. And so I just want to be super, um, help, you know, just encouraging the folks to say like, um, you know, to be encouraged at the beginning, it's okay. That's normal. And just, it, and if you are, like you said, curious and, you, and you're passionate about a certain space or certain thing, then that's a great place to start because you'll, you'll be setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Amazing advice. I love it. So when does this book launch? <laughs> We can get it now, right? Pre-order is open. That's a great question. So, well, two things. One is I'm actually debating if I'm going to call it a book or not, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> because the thing is, is like, um, and I'm I'm going to tweet out. You'll see me tweet this out more. Um, in I promise I'll answer your question on the date. But it's a guide, it's a resource, and it's it's an app. And so, and it, but it's not really a course. And so, I've got a problem. I don't really know what to call it. And um, and quite honestly, I think that's okay. And, and maybe this is me justifying to myself. And um, but it's still evolving what the final product is. And you know, um, you know, when I got some pushback on Twitter about not having the guarantees on there, not having the testimonials, I'm like, well, that would be fake. I don't. In, in like, and if I've waited that long to to make sure it's published to to or it's perfect, then I've and I really run the risk of failure. It's basically, um, you know, what I've taken all the static or the strategies, tactics and tools from all the makers I've talked to. And there's be 150 makers and their projects uh, within this massive database that you're going to get access to. It has over 2000 data points um, on there on like how much time it took them with each tool to put each project together. Um, I then give you a recommendation on um, not all the projects have their time estimate. There's a majority of them. And I'm very specific. I tell you exactly what percent I think like. 71% of the projects have it. So I want to be very careful and not misleading. And then, um, and also I, I label each one as a starter stack, a mid-level stack or an expert stack. And so like, say you have an idea for a job board. I wouldn't recommend you start with bubble because that's more of an expert uh, level. So, but there are ways you can build a job board uh, with base, with tools that have low learning curves. Mm -hmm. And so um, what is the category that your, that your idea is, is, and I have it categorized and then you can find, okay, what's a starter level stack of tools that I can start with to help build this. And then what's an example of an, of an ex exact product. So then now I have a guide and a blueprint by modeling how other people built it. Um, and so um, I'm, you know, still working. Um, try, I need to improve a lot on, packaging that in a much more concise manner. Um, and so that's what I'm trying. That's what my goal is right now. While I finish, um, the, finish the, the guide and the book and, and the resource. And so I, um, I don't have a, a date yet on when it's going to launch. Um, and, and I, you know, I had a, I had somebody who, uh, who was emailing me about it and he was kind of upset about that. It's like, well, I'll check back when it's ready. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's not ready, but it's right. not. And, um, so the goal is in what I'm doing now, and this is, you know, I'm, pr I'm practicing what I'm pre preaching. So I've launched a pre-order page. 
I've gotten um, lots of, you know, um, tons of signups and people actually have given me their money, which I can't believe. And I'm talking to them because who are these people and what, what are, what are the things they need? And then what that allows me to do is make sure I build that into my product and, right. and I'm able to then can, you know, continue to build it in a way that solves their problems. Um, because again, even though I have, have all this market research and knowledge and information, how do I know that the product is actually going to solve that problem? Uh, the only way you can do it is launch it iteratively and talk to people and get validation. And so I'm hoping to have it fully launched in the next um, uh, two months is is really what I'm targeting. Hopefully it's sooner than that. That's I've got fun. the foundation. I've got the foundation set. Um, I've got all the 150 projects, um, you know, in in Airtable base. So um, I hope that, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't directly answer your question, but. No, you totally did. I think that's the point, right? You're, you're iterating in public, you're building in public, you're very transparent about your process. And that in itself is extremely helpful to people because this is one thing I'm super passionate about in this space. And I think why I dive in headfirst into no code and build in public, because we're human. This like it pulls back the curtain and this facade that you talked about of building things in a weekend and launching the next $50,000 thing, you know, in 48 hours, like, give me a break. You've been working on it forever. <laughs> Just stop. Exactly. And you've had exactly. your dark days and, you know, maybe you thought about it two years ago and you tried and you failed and now you're back at it. Like that, that I, I really truly enjoy. And I think people who are interested in your product and want to invest in you and what you're offering believe that as well because that is what it's all about right like we're it's a right. learning process we'll we'll get there eventually <laughs> but exactly. I, think, I mean two months that's that's quick because this is a hefty thing as you described it i see it as a platform right because you have a resource you have a database you have written material like this is an entire platform within the no code space that you're building <laughs> so wow no thank you for that feedback that's exactly, that is really helpful, Sarah. Um, and I, I, I'm definitely, um, you know, going to be writing that down. And because one of the things um, that I've learned is in, in like all the copy that I have on the page today is from, I've taken from what are people saying that this is. And so like, I'm going to take that back and, and continue. And I have like a whiteboard and I'm like, I write it all down and, yeah. and I try to see what the trends and the patterns are. So thank you for that feedback. That's, that's yeah. super helpful. And um, and I and I think that um, you know that's the thing too that um, makers don't. Um, it's so much pressure to launch something, and especially okay. when you've made it. But if you launch something and it's in beta, like and that's what I've told all the other users, I'm like this is pre-order, this is what it is, it's introduction, and it's beta. Mm -hmm. If you see things, please call them out to me, and then they yeah. become invested in making my product by helping me, and right. people want to help. And then yeah. on top of it, their expectation is in a finished product, and so. Um, and so, you know, then you have happy makers, uh, happy people who, you know, right. uh, bought the product already and they didn't even have it fully yet. And so to me, like, that's magical. Um, that's like um, something that is uh, that I, I didn't really understand. And I tweeted this out uh, a week ago. It was like a bell curve of adoption. We've all kind of like seen that. And I think like a common thing that, you know, we all struggle with is we try to we try to make it for everybody mm -hmm. instead of understanding who are the early adopters? And I think before that is, uh, you know, even an earlier segment, and the name is escaping me at, um, at the moment. And so, you know, when we look at a chart like that, we kind of, our eyes gloss over, but you have to go find who exactly those people are. Right. And you have to make that product for them 
at the beginning, and it's got to be helpful for them because you need a hundred and a thousand of those people before then you can actually think about scaling or going bigger from there or like actually getting into a market and, and growing from there. And so um, the, the best way to do that is, is to build and, and these type of people, they like to help. They like to, they like, they don't want it to be finished. And so that was something that I had to learn that I didn't understand when I made first launch my startup in 2016 is I thought it had to be perfect because uh, they would judge it. And, you know, I, and I had a hater, I had a hater on Twitter. They didn't like the way my nav bar worked. And they said that they're not going to use my product. They're not going to buy it. They literally said that. I said, that's fine. It's yeah. not for you. And that's right. okay. I was like, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and I, you know, gave it and I just tried to, I tried to listen. I tried to hear them. Um, but that's okay. And you say, well, I may scare off other people. I'm like, that's okay. Like, you just have to focus on delivering. If you deliver value for the first hundred people, a thousand people, the rest will take care of itself. And um, you'll never get to that point if you try to make it pixel perfect and you try to make it for everybody. And so that's that's like a change of your mindset that's hard, that's been hard for me to learn. And mm-hmm. that's something that I've picked up and I hope to help educate people with. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice. I know there's a lot of people who still believe that if, if you're shipping something that isn't 100% done, that that's kind of just not okay. And I, yeah, I'm the same school of thought of you. Like, so what? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Like, there's going to be just as many people that appreciate what's existing today and how that grows as there are people who are like, oh, your nav bar is broken. Okay, well, you could have just told me about it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. I'm the person sending a DM, like, hey, did yeah. you know this looks a little off? Exactly. Can I fix that for you? You sent me a DM, like, come on. And well, the thing was, it wasn't even broken. It was an anchor link, and she didn't like the anchor link. She wanted the UX to be different. And I was like, okay, I'm not, a, I'm not teaching how to be a designer, <laughs> but thank you for that. I, I'll take a look at it. And um, it's, you know, it's just funny how some people come across yeah. on Twitter and, um, it's Twitter. Um, yes. that's how, you know, you've made it once you get those haters and you're like, yes, <laughs> I was telling, uh, you know, another maker that I was like, God, just like, I can't believe this. They're like, no, man, you got a hater. Like, congrats. I'm like, yeah, oh man, I, I guess, but it's still feel, I still, you know, cause it's personal. It's your baby yes. and you make it and, and you want to be professional. And so anyway, it's, it's just, uh, it's a fun, fun story now, but. When you're going through it, you're just like, what? What do you mean? You don't love it? I know. Um, it's like yeah. your opinion. You, you know, it's like, but uh, it's it's great. And, it, you know, and I'm thankful because if people care enough to respond, like that's, that's a great thing. You know, like right. it, it, was, it was a very short time ago where Michael Novotny would tweet and nobody and nothing would happen. Nobody would care. So I'm like so thankful that people respond and engagement. And that's only occurred because I've, I've launched iteratively and small and just given value over time. And, um, and that's it. It's, and I've just you know, observed what people do. It's, and, um, and I'm, so, you know, I'm just blown away just the nice things that you've said. And, um, you know, and I'm really thankful for that. And, and, um, and I appreciate the feedback. It means a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on today. You have given us so much great advice and I really can't wait to have everybody listen to this episode. You just dropped a lot of great knowledge on us and I can't wait for the lean side project to launch. We'll look for that. I will be sure to link everything, but in the meantime, how can folks get in touch with you and pre-order? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Sarah. Um, so um, uh, Twitter's the best spot and I'm at a Michael J. Novotny, theleanproject.com. And so you can check those out. And my DMs are open always. Uh, my email's on the landing page. You know, please reach out to me. Um, and I'm building this in the open to build it with 
you know, if you want to make something, um, I would love to come alongside your journey. I'd be honored to to help with that. Uh, the book is to help, you know, get 80% of it, but there's still other, you know, in the resources to help you get a lot of the way there uh, so that you can increase your odds of, um, you know, launching and making something that's successful. And then um, would love to, you know, to help out uh, as well uh, for anyone that's, that's looking to do that. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to give any illusions that it's, it's going to magic. You're going to guarantee you're magically going to create something and there's a proven formula. There isn't. And if anybody's telling you that they're trying to sell you something, you know, it's, yeah. it's, and so my goal is to increase your odds just based off of, Hey, here's all the things I've observed that, uh, out of 150 makers that I've talked with that I've, um, studied and that I've researched and then I've applied uh, a lot of these things. And this is, this is, you know, I can give some. Uh, validation to. So I hope that can reduce a lot of people's uh, pain and um, they can uh, hopefully launch something. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today and sharing all of your wisdom. I can't wait to see what happens and we'll have to have you back once everything launches and you can tell us how things went. Give us more advice. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just sharing, sharing what I know. And, um, and I really appreciate you having me on, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, if you need anything or anybody uh, needs anything, please reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you. And that wraps up this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. I really appreciate all of your feedback. If you want to follow along with me in between the show and hear what I'm up to and what guests are coming on next, you can find me on Twitter at Sarah No Socks and all of the other information to help support the show. Reach out to me if you need any no-code help, business advice, or just want to chat. You can get me at my website at sarahnosocks.com. Check out the podcast page, talkswithsarahnosocks.webflow.io. And let me know who I should be chatting with. Until next time, bye.